5, verses 6 through 12. And as you flip there, let me ask you a couple questions. You guys with me? Is global warming real? It's what our text is about, believe it or not. I don't necessarily want you to answer out loud because we'll get into some weird discussions if we do. But is global warming real? How about this? COVID boosters. Should you keep getting your booster shot? Don't answer. See, now you're all perking up. Once I get to the Bible, you all tune out. But now you're perking up. How do you know if global warming's real? How do you know if you should have two, three, four COVID booster shots? Who do you believe? What do you do? Do you do your own research and land it? Or how do you know? You ever notice we live in a, a time and a place where it's very difficult to understand what's true and how to know the truth? 1 John 5, 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not the water only, but by the water and the blood, and the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the, wa- and the blood. I'm sorry, the th- there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is what? Greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John is writing so we might know what's true, and if we know what's true, we can have joy abundantly. We could know that we have eternal life. Now, remember, John is writing to believers, believers who are facing persecution and suffering, dealing with the polluting effects of sin in their own lives, the desires of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life, needing reminders and encouragement and truth so that we might have abounding joy, chapter 1, and certainty of eternal life, 513. That's us too, folks. And so what we're getting at is part of the struggle we have is fighting false teaching and resting in truth. Fighting false teaching and resting in truth, as well as fleeing the desires of the flesh. What is true and how do we know what is true is what we're after. In John's time, Gnosticism was a big deal. Anyone anyone here follow a Gnostic? Anyone know how to spell Gnostic? You're you're surrounded by Gnosticism today. Gnosticism is the idea that flesh is bad, spirit is good. It used to be Jesus was a man who took on a divine nature at his baptism. The divine nature left at his crucifixion and he died a man. Today it looks like this. Jesus is a good teacher. Jesus is a wise sage. Jesus gives good advice, but Jesus isn't really, truly, and fully God. And that affects us even in the church in many different ways. So in 1 John 5, we were looking at the object, the author, and the effect of our faith last week. It was not recorded. It was the greatest sermon ever preached. And so unfortunately, it's been lost for all time. Those of you who are here, I hope you've forgotten. It was great if you forgot. Those of you who weren't here, man, you don't know what you missed. 
Today, we, we move through that to this question of how do we know that Jesus, the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, who we are knowing as the Christ through the author of our faith, God, born of God, and has made us overcomers, the effect of our faith, how do we know Jesus is the Christ? What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? Let me ask it this way. Dylan, I wanted to make sure that you were uh, with us today, so as you're nodding off, you've got to come all the way back up. Creation or evolution, which is true? How do we know if creation is true or evolution is true? You go do your research. Google? You ask the question. Come on, fella. You don't have to answer the question. How do you know if creation or evolution is true? Do you look at the geological surveys and decide what's true? How do you land that? Did Jesus rise from the grave? How do you know? Do you know the real answer to how we know the answers to these questions? Well, look here. If we receive the testimony of men, verse 9, the testimony of God is what? Greater. You know this guy's name, front row right here next to me? Anyone know his first name? Are you sure? Have you, have, you, have you looked into that? Have you seen his driver's license? It doesn't say Jerry, but Jerry's his real name. Have you seen his driver's license? Have you called the police? Have you seen a birth certificate? How do you know? Because you believe him. He's trustworthy for a fellow, and his name's Jerry. How much more trustworthy is God? God said in the beginning he created all things. You know how I know God created all things and evolution on a macro level is a lie? God says so. Do you know how I know Jesus rose from the grave? God said so. Do you know how I know that Jesus is the Christ? God said so. What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? That's a little trickier question. I watched a commercial this week. It shows up a lot. and It goes like this. God loves us and sent Jesus to take our sin by dying on the cross. On the third day, God raised him from the dead. If you're willing to repent and turn from your sins and believe by faith, you will be saved. It's biblically correct. But what do those words mean? What is love? Sin? Dying on the cross? Why did he die on the cross? Why did he rise on the third day, not the first day or the second day or the fourth day? What does it mean to repent? What does it mean to believe by faith? What does it mean that Jesus is a Christ? If you just start in Matthew, you have a problem. you got to go to Genesis, Numbers. Samuel, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Micah, all the way through to understand Jesus is the Christ so we might know who he is and who we are and why he came and what he's done and what we are now. My friends, Jesus is the Christ. I'll unpack that a little bit more, but we know because God said so, but look how gracious God is. He gives us three that testify. Who? The water, the blood, and the Spirit. Do you notice what we sang in 243 just a minute ago? Nobody caught it. Y'all sang it. Nobody caught it, right? I got to see if I can find it. Y'all remember? Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which float. Is that what the water and the blood is talking about here? Jesus pierced in the side, testified that he died. 
not so fast. The water refers to the baptism of our Lord. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness for his people by obeying God's law. You remember what God the Father said at the baptism of Jesus? This is my son, with him I am well pleased. Who came upon Jesus like a dove, not as a dove, like a dove? Do you know what was testified to at the baptism by the triune God? This is the Christ. The blood refers to his crucifixion, his death, the sin-bearing sacrifice of the Lamb of God. The sun was darkened from noon to three. The, the earth shook and dead were raised and entered the city. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, testifying that this is the Christ. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus was conceived by the Spirit. Jesus did all he did by the power of the Spirit, testifying to the fact that this Jesus is the Christ. My friends, I, I want you to, to walk with me here for a minute. Where in your life do you functionally forget that Jesus is the Christ? That Jesus is not only the Son of God, but Jesus is God. Where do you believe the lies of the world? Where do you follow the offerings of the world? Where do you think that you are other than who you are in Christ or before Christ if you're not in Christ? Have you ever walked through this? Colin, it's okay, we can repent. Does anyone here want to be truly joyful? Anyone happy with feeling depressed, miserable, hopeless, helpless? I mean, is anyone good in their misery? Guys, it's a small group today, I need you with me. Does anyone just want a mediocre existence until you die? All right, you might as well head out. Does anyone here want to live forever? Does anyone here want, want to... What do you want out of life? Doesn't it feel like something's not right? Sherry asked me how I'm doing. I said good. But there's a longer story. I'm good, I'm bad, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, I'm hopeful, I'm able, I'm, I'm a mess of stuff. And so are you and... And so we self-medicate through Netflix and sports and entertainment and distractions and, and doing stuff. And sometimes we, we do it in other ways. We, we can't face the reality of life is stinking hard and broken and messed up and scary. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Who is I? Jesus, the Christ. Why did Jesus come? Wow, that was high-pitched. Why did Jesus come? What does it mean that you are a sinner? You're a God-hating, sin-stanking, self-focused, people-hating, kingdom of God-despising fool. But God loved you so much that he came not just to die for your sin, but to make you new. To make you into a sweet smell and God loving, people loving, kingdom of God proclaiming saint. But still the polluting effects of sin remain, and here's what we forget. We forget that we still have a little bit of stank of sin. And so what we do is we pursue life as if Jesus weren't the Christ. Our, y'all know the words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Next line. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pump the brakes. Really? I mean, when, when do you slow down? How do you slow down? How do you help one another slow down? And go, am I wanting to do what I'm wanting to do because it's what I think is pragmatic, pleasurable, or personally beneficial? Or is it what God would call me to? It's uncomfortable. That's why I'll do it in a group setting. I don't want to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about it because you might ask me the same question. Where do you slow down and ask, why do you do? Conversation this week with an, an individual who is absolutely nameless that you don't even need to think about who it is because it doesn't matter. The reality is it's all of us who is failing to gather regularly with their church family. And so through a conversation, it's summer, it happens, that the response was, well, so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so don't gather regularly. Now, you laugh, but we're all this, we are all this person. Except your dang pastor is like, well, so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so don't gather regularly, and I have to keep showing up. <laughs> That's another issue. But notice the pivot doesn't go to what does God desire for me? What does God call me to? What if we slowed down and thought about what does God call me to do in stewarding all that he's entrusted to me? Not what does the world call me to, not what does the flesh call me to, not what do the pride of eyes and life and all. What does God call me to is going to be impacted by how well you understand Jesus is the Christ. And how well you trust in the truth of the fact that Jesus is the Christ. Because if Jesus is the Christ, you understand that you were a sinner who needed a Savior and you still deal with the polluting effects of sin, which means, Charlie, which means that your desires are off. How you see people is off. What you want is off. What you feel is off. And the world systems feed into this offness. But look what we're offered through Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony inside himself. A little side note, that does not mean you have a self-authenticating feeling inside of you. It means that by grace through faith, you have believed the truth. God has caused you to believe the truth. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Now, now, hang on to that. Chew on that for a minute. I believe that macroevolution is true. I want you to understand what that means. Look God in the face and say you're a lying dog. Because that is what you're saying. I believe that, that I am a furry. I believe, God, you made a mistake and, and I love men. Let's just say what it is. God, you're a stinking liar. I want you to feel the weight of that. Okay? God, you don't know what the purpose of life is. I do. I mean, really, would you smack a lion in the wild? Would you kick a gorilla in the teeth? Would you tug on Superman's cape? Would you spit into the wind? You don't mess around with the... No, sorry. How much more so when we deny the truth that Jesus is the Christ, that God is a creator God who we're all subject to, we are calling God a liar. But we do believe, and this is a testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is His Son. Whoever has a Son has life. Are there any dead people here today? Me is dead. Dylan's dead dead. I mean, we might have to go grab, Quran, grab the defibrillator. 
Do we have any, do you know any dead people? Have you ever met a zombie? Walking, or walking dead, right? What is this talking about? Life and death and, remember Adam and Eve in the garden? If you eat that fruit, you'll surely die. They ate the fruit and they, did they die? Spiritual death followed by physical death. My friends, the whole world who's alive is alive physically, but most of the world is dead spiritually, and this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That we know God and live forever. To know and enjoy God, to live in communion and fellowship with God and live forever. What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? John 10.10, he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. 11.25, he's the resurrection and the... Life. 14.6, he's the way, the truth, and the talking of Martha. Resurrection and the life. This is eternal life. That we know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. We all want to live. We're all made to live. But only through Jesus Christ can we have eternal life. Only through Jesus Christ can we be reconciled to God by the death of his son, forgiven for our sin, made anew in Christ, and made enabled to live with God because Jesus is the Christ. Do you ever notice how much of a battle this is? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying people who, who are traveling on the holiday weekends here are walking in grievous sin. Please don't understand what I'm saying. Okay? But can I ask you a question? Do you feel the weight of what the world calls you to on a holiday weekend? Why, why is the draw of a holiday weekend so consequential? Starting next Saturday is one of the greatest weekends of the year. It's a true college football weekend kickoff. I mean, we got OSU playing Notre Dame at 7.30 Saturday night. We got Alabama showing up. They're playing Texas A&M. Am I right or something like that? We, we, we got, we got big time college football. Get on that TV bright and early Saturday morning and stay up late at night. Why is that so exciting to me? I, I, I don't know. Why, why is it we don't wake up on the Lord's Day fired up, ready to go? Why, why is it that when, when we seek first the kingdom of God, we're not like, woo when, when, when someone offends us, we're not like, booyah, forgiveness bomb coming at you. Why, why, is it, why is it so hard? It's because we come polluted by sin as those who are saved in need of being reminded that Jesus is the Christ. Why is John writing this letter? John is writing this letter saying at the very beginning, Darn it, if I'm stuck doing this obeying stuff, you darn well better be doing it too. I don't know if I read that right. Oh, no, no, it says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is not if I got to do it, you got to do it sort of thing. This is, I've been enabled to do this, and so have you too. And by God's grace, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his glory and our good. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands concerning the life, the words of life, 
the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify and proclaim to you eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John wants you and me to enjoy fellowship with God. I mean, do you ever feel the weight of that? Those who are married, you usually get good stories about how you met your spouse, right? Dylan and Kylie, they'll still smile over their story because they're not through the grinder 50 years like the Kellers. Their story now turns out like this. Sherry goes, I don't know what happened. This guy kept following me around. He proposed to me and I'm stuck. That's not it. <laughs> that is true. It's, it's, it's you who chased him down. My friends, God pursued us. God saved us. God called us. God gave us eternal life so that we might fight to enjoy life with him. But who is he? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Christ. How do I know? The water, the blood, the spirit, they all testify. Let God be true and every man a liar. But if Jesus is the Christ, who are you? You are a child of God. You are loved by God. You are in desperate need of God to lead you in how you should live so you might enjoy him and glorify him. This is the battle we're after, but functionally all throughout our lives we forget that Jesus is the Christ. When Derek annoys me, because he burned down my garage again, and then went to Cracker Barrel, you know what it does that Jesus is the Christ? I'm able to forgive him because God forgave me in Christ Jesus. When Dylan is sitting there daydreaming about burgers and steaks and hot dogs and scallops on the grill, I'm able to love him, even though he's not loving me, because of the, the way that God loved me and how I treated God. For their sin against me pales in comparison to my sin against God. But if God loved me through Jesus the Christ the way he did and enabled me with a new heart, how much more so should I delight in living for his glory. Where do you doubt God's word? I mean, is climate change real? Don't answer. We'll talk about it in Sunday school if you like. Should you get your third or fourth or fifth booster shot this fall? Don't answer out loud. Gets awkward. You want to know the scary little truth about it? I don't know. Google will not give me the answer. Ask your doctor about your booster and trust your doctor. I'm no doctor. Climate change, I'm not even touching that with a 10-foot pole. I live far enough inland that I don't care. And I hope it doesn't record because I'll probably get in trouble 100 years from now as God's Grace Bible Church goes underwater. Someone will find you. Listen to the sermon of this heretical pastor. You know what I do know, though? That Jesus is the Christ. And if Jesus is the Christ, it means that I have been saved by grace through faith, that I know with absolute certainty, verse 13, that I have eternal life. And I know that because he saved me and because he saved you by grace through faith, our joy is able to be complete in him as he calls it to be, as he saved us, enabled us to be. But for that to happen, I must fight the good fight. And we've been seeing that fight laid out for the past 13 years as we work through 1 John. 
We need to remember we're sinners, but when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We need to remember that we're lovers of God who struggle with a love for the world, and we need to fight to overcome the world, but we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We need to remember that we are children of God, that we need to love one another as God loved us, not to be saved, but because we are saved. We need to test the Spirit, because there's all sorts of false teaching out there, but we're able to know the truth because God is the way and the truth, and the life. But life comes at you fast. Life throws all sorts of confusion at you. The world, the flesh, the devil conspire against us to rob us of the joy that we have in Jesus. So what do we do? We fight to remember that Jesus is the Christ, to trust in that truth and to live in the implications of that truth. I had a, a good conversation with, with a dear brother in Christ this week, and we, we talked a little bit about selfishness. You ever notice how selfish you are? I mean, just just take a minute. I'm not. I just want to point it out to you guys. Do you ever notice how incredibly, I mean, it's bad if you slow down and look at this. It's all right, buddy. There's grace. See, I appreciate the attentiveness of children. We are so incredibly self-focused, it's mind-boggling. Our favorite topic, me. When I look at a group picture, I look for me. I'm primarily concerned about me being treated my, right, me being appreciated, me being celebrated. Best holiday of the year, anything that involves me. Christmas is coming, I'll tell you what you can get, me. And the person I'm most concerned about being offended is named me. I'm interested in my will, I'm interested in my kingdom, and I'm interested in my desires, and if you'd like to hear about them, I'll talk with you about them all day long. Do you ever notice how this happens? But when we're saved, the M flips upside down, and we go from a me people to a we people, the kingdom of God, and we go from a we people to a he people, the God of the kingdom, and the fight is to trust that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the desires and needs that we have will be met through he who loved us and gave himself for us. But we have to slow down and realize how selfish we are, how selfless Jesus the Christ is, and what the implications of that are to those of us who are saved. Because we're not captive in our selfishness. In fact, we've been born anew to selflessness. And in our selflessness, we're able to glorify God. Being saved is being a selfish person who has a bit of selflessness in them and who struggles in between. Being saved is someone who loves God and struggles to love God, but struggles in between. Being saved is someone who sins a lot, but struggles when they sin even a little and fights to struggle more and more to walk in righteousness. And this is made possible because Jesus is the Christ. Now, I read that little quote, and I'll, I'll wrap up here. God loves us, sent his son to take our sin by dying on the cross. Third day raised from the dead. If you repent and turn from your sin and believe by faith, you will be saved. Amen. But what does it mean that God loves us? Genesis 3, there was a problem in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. They, they broke God's one commandment required of them. God said, if you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. 
They ate of the fruit. They would surely die. But do you remember what happened in Genesis 3, verse 15? I, says the Lord, will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What? God's going to send someone through the lineage of Eve who would crush the head of the serpent who tempted them into this mess? What does that mean? What what does that look like? Let me tell you what it looks like. Jesus is the Christ. You go ahead to Genesis 49, verse 10. You'll probably be able to keep up because I didn't put my tabs in here today. But in Genesis 49, verse 10, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Who is, who is this talking about? Well, the one who would crush the serpent's head, who's coming through a specific line. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but who is this? Well, his name is Jesus the Christ. Does it make sense yet? Not yet, because you've got to keep working your way through. Numbers 24-7. We're taking a little trip through Scripture here. You all know Numbers 24. You probably don't even need to flip there. Numbers 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. What is this talking about? It's talking about Jesus is the Christ, the the one who would crush the head of the serpent, who would come through the line of David, who would sit on a throne and never lose his scepter for it. What what is this talking about? A skull crusher, 2 Samuel verse 7. Y'all know this one at least, even if you don't have to flip there, but 2 Samuel verse 7, 2 Samuel chapter 7. I won't read the whole thing to you, but the Lord's covenant with David. Do you remember the covenant he made with David? Remember how David wanted to build a house for the Lord, but the Lord said, no, no, you won't build a house for me. I will make a house through you. What are you talking about? A house that will last forever with a king who will sit on a throne that will never go away. Who is this king? The serpent crusher? The head breaker? Jesus the Christ? But, But who is this? Who is this Jesus? We can flip all the way up to Psalm 2, how the nations rage. But God laughs. We could go to Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Isaiah. He would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquity. Ezekiel, Jeremiah will have a new heart and will be caused by God to obey his commandments. What's going on here? Jesus is the Christ. But who is this Christ? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Jesus, Emmanuel, God saves, God with us. Who is this baby in the manger? In your mind's eye, think of the incarnate Christ, the baby that Mary held, the infinite and the finite held in the hand perfectly together. How can this be? He grew up. 30 years later, he was baptized in the Jordan, and the father said, This is my son with him with whom I am well pleased. Remember Genesis 3? Now look in the Jordan with John. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he goes into the temple, and he flips a table, and he goes into the synagogue, and he preaches, and he opens the blind eyes, he raises the dead to life, he heals the sick. Who is this? He sits in a boat on the storm of a sea, and he calms the sea. And who is this? Jesus the Christ. 
He hangs on the cross. He dies. He's buried in the tomb. Who was that? I thought that was Jesus the Christ. But he died. How can he die? He came to rule with a rod and and conquer Rome. He came to, to establish his kingdom on the earth in power and glory and might, and he lays in a tomb. I thought it was the serpent crusher. But what happened? Three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, Jesus the Christ. He walked on earth. He he spoke to the apostles. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, yet said, Behold, I am with you always till the end of the age, and at the same time I will come again. Who is this? Jesus the Christ. My friends, that's the battle we face. Who is this serpent crusher? Who is this seed of David? Who is this one who laughs at the nations that rage? Who is this that was hung upon the cross and buried in the tomb and rose from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father, who intercedes for us today, who rules and reigns in righteousness? It is Jesus, the Christ. And if he is the Christ and we are his kids, what joy we have in submitting to his will and walking in his ways for his glory and our good, for that is in fact called life, eternal life, knowing and enjoying God forever. So what do we do with this? We battle. The world throws all sorts of lies at us. The flesh has all sorts of screwy desires within us. Our eyes see and want all sorts of things, some of which they should never want. And the devil throws darts and deceptions and deceives us. But God is more powerful than he, and he who dwells in us is more powerful than he, because God himself dwells in us. So John reminds us, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not the water only, but by the water and the blood and the Spirit, is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. And there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and they agree. If we receive the testimony of man, the testimony of God is greater. Whoever believes in the Son of God, whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Now we are perfectly set up to go into verse 13. Now I could knock out two sermons in one Sunday but I haven't really prepared the second one, so it will be kind of awkward and half-baked. So why don't we let it sit here and pick it up next week as we get into this marvelous concluding section of 1 John. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Wouldn't it be marvelous to know with absolute certainty that you were saved? Not a doubt in your mind, never have to wonder again. Come back next week and I'll show you how that's so. But for today, let me set the stage and explain that you can know it's so because every word of God proves true. 
And the Word of God says Jesus is the Christ. And if the Word of God says that you are saved, you can be eternally certain in that salvific state you sit in. But we'll save that for next time. Lord, help us. Lord, as we live in a world where truth is so hard to understand, where I should say truth is so hard to find, we live in a land where where lying is so commonplace that we can even watch a courtroom proceeding, hear people swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth upon a Bible, and know that at least half of the people aren't telling the truth, if any. Lord, we listen to politicians speak, and we take it with such a grain of salt. We, we, we communicate with one another in a world like this, and, and maybe not the grievous, blatant, lies, but the the little white lies so easily creep in. Lord Jesus, you tell us to let our yes be yes, because your yes is yes. What you say you will do, you will do. Your promises are guaranteed, because you are the way and the truth and the life. Lord Jesus, help us to see you for who you are, and thank you that we are able to know who you are by grace through faith, through your spoken word revealed to us in Scripture. Lord Jesus, you are the Christ because you say you are the Christ, and we rejoice that you are the Christ, the Savior of the world. And we thank you that you have chosen to save us by grace through faith. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work mightily in our lives as we submit to your will joyfully by your power to cause us a deep and abiding joy in the fact and resting in the certainty of the fact that not only is Jesus the Christ, but we are his and he is ours. Lord, help us. We are easily distracted by the things of the world, but I pray we would be primarily focused upon the things of the kingdom. We are easily swayed by the desires of the flesh, but I pray we would be more heavily influenced by the desires of the new heart and new spirit at work within us. I pray that our eyes, which can cause us to be tempted to sin through that way in, that we would keep our eyes stayed upon you and focused upon you. Lord God, help us to enjoy this life you have given to us. For as we enjoy our fellowship with you, we bring glory to you. We bring encouragement to the saints. And we have opportunities to offer hope to the lost. Lord Jesus, help us by your power for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. What are we closing with? You say.